We are tonight celebrating the 10th anniversary of paralegal licensing, and we're acknowledging the bringing together of professions, of the lawyer profession and the paralegal profession, together under one roof at the Law Society of Ontario. And tonight is a great opportunity to celebrate the success of paralegal regulation, a unique experiment, and, uh, and, a, and a very successful one to date. That's Paul Shabis, former treasurer of the Law Society of Ontario, speaking at an event celebrating the 10th year of paralegal regulation. We jump off from this milestone to spotlight key contributions from this profession and increase awareness of paralegals as access to justice champions. There are nearly 9,000 paralegals licensed in Ontario. They provide assistance with everyday legal problems for consumers who might not otherwise have legal help. In this episode, you'll hear speakers from events organized by TAG and the Law Society to recognize this important anniversary. Here is Robert Byrd, Chair of the Law Society's Paralegal Standing Committee, opening a panel discussion. This year marks the 10th anniversary of paralegal regulation. <laughs> yes. It's exciting to reach this milestone and consider that our profession's next chapter. Um, and that's what we will sort of explore and talk about this evening. The Law Society of Ontario assumed responsibility for the regulation of paralegals in 2007. The first jurisdiction in North America to license this group of legal professionals. Can you tell us uh, what the paralegals do and what role do they play in the sector of as access to justice champions? Paralegals are offering service to this sector of Ontario um, population that wouldn't normally have legal assistance or legal advice. Um, it's basically, when you look at access to justice, uh, if you can afford to hire a lawyer, um, then that's one thing. Um, if you are the poorest of the poor, sometimes you can go to legal aid or pro bono. So you have those two, the rich and the very poor, covered, but the majority of Ontarians in the middle um, often can't seek out that advice or afford it or pay for it. I think paralegals really try to fill that gap, um, especially in the areas of law that actually affect everyday people. You just heard Michelle Haig, a paralegal and bencher with the Law Society, People are turning to paralegals for help with day-to-day -day legal problems, but what are those problems? Here's Stephanie Ball, Executive Dean of the School of Justice and Emergency Services and School of Interdisciplinary Studies at Durham College. She oversees the college's paralegal program. So whether it be landlord and tenant, criminal injuries compensation board, human rights, social assistance, workplace safety and insurance board matters, provincial offenses, just by providing um, paralegals who are educated to um, um, make those services available to that whole um, category of potential clients um, increases access to justice just by having that qualification. Uh, without the services of paralegals, many people in those particular areas would go unrepresented, um, and that is a denial of access to justice. For a lot of paralegals, what motivates their work is the ability to make an immediate impact that helps their communities. 
Their efforts are often focused on tribunals that deal with social benefits, human rights, and workplace safety. So I'll, I'll start with you, Stephen, and how have paralegals evolved as Access to Justice champions over the past 10 years? In the beginning, as the saying goes, um, the original Paralegal Standing Committee, <clears throat> excuse me, we had six months to put everything together from when the legislation was passed um, to when it was supposed to be uh, implemented. Putting together everything included the education requirements, the grandparenting uh, provisions, putting together the licensing exam, what insurance would be required, trust account uh, requirements, to name a few. I think the biggest evolution is the revamping of the licensing exam. It went from a three-hour exam restricted to ethics, professionalism, and practice management to now a seven-hour exam including substantive questions. So that, I believe, is, is one of the biggest uh, evolutions um, for the prof profession. It's raised the bar, definitely, on education. And, of course, that can only enhance paralegals as access to justice champions. That's Stephen Parker, the president of the Ontario Paralegal Association. So what is the significance of regulation? How does it help to enhance the profession? Here's Brian Houghton, litigation projects manager for Pro Bono Ontario. Very unique in this profession is that uh, basically sort of two types of services or legal services um, are overseen by one governing body. And so it was a big question about how will the law society run and manage sort of two programs, you know, that are sort of fighting for their own stake uh, in, in the marketplace or in, in the work. So I just think what's really been quite amazing is that I, I really feel, um, you know, that the law society in no way pushed us down. You know, they really do what they can to, um, you know, promote the profession as well. Regulation established rules of conduct and competent standards for paralegals. How does that relate to the way colleges approach training paralegal students? Here, Stephanie speaks about what's happening at Durham College. What we'll do in the education sector is continue to provide the best education possible we can for students to make sure that when they do get out and practice, they give every reason for the public to be confident in what they're, the type of service that they're providing. And we will do that with the continued um, auditing um, with, um, by the Law Society. Um, we're doing a number of things out in Durham Region to try and improve access to justice for uh, marginalized populations, um, building on our relationship with existing providers like the Durham Community Legal Clinic and other social service, service agencies. So what we have found is that um, paralegals have the ability to triage, as I think one of our colleagues mentioned, um, uh, 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 clients into different areas of support and we're trying that in partnership with the social services um, workers and the social services agencies within Durham Region. So um, in, in that way paralegals will be on the forefront of um, providing increased access to, to services for um, more marginalized um, residents and people who fit in that precarious um, category. 
Um, so I think that, that there is a, a bright future for paralegals working in those areas in which they have become so expert and being able to leverage that experience into uh, reaching out to areas of the population that currently do not um, still get those services. Laurie Marshall, a paralegal and board member of the Ontario Paralegal Association, sees great potential in experiential education and innovative partnerships. She feels that these things can enhance a student's connection to their community and access to justice. Every single municipality in Ontario has a legal clinic. So every college should be providing paralegal students on field placement as part of their roles and their requirements the Law Society has for them um, at the legal clinics for field placements. And the students, they learn, uh, they learn so much. Well, now let's move on to um, bigger and better things and <laughs> what's going to happen uh, in the future. And I'd like to, us to look at what the next decade might look like for paralegals and what impact you foresee in the different communities. Here's Lori, Brian, and Michelle. And the next decade, it's absolutely imperative that paralegals, the Law Society, the Ontario Paralegal Association, librarians, members of parliament, members of provincial parliament, municipal councillors. They educate everybody on what we can do because people are denied access to justice because they don't know we exist. They don't know what our scope is. So for the next decade, I, I am positive we will see it because we have come so far. Many clients approach us for assistance with cases that they may have started on their own or that they want to start, but unrepresented or unassisted litigants do not always appreciate the complexities of litigation. You know, price certainly is an advantage, but it's not the only benefit. So paralegals help to level the playing field, especially if the opposing side is unrepresented. So paralegals can help to remove the emotions from a pleading, so it focuses on the law and paralegals can help someone put their best foot forward so ultimately i feel that regulation has given the public a sense of security and trust and a whole breadth of services that can be provided i want to sort of talk about how we all can contribute to that sort of vision and i think that's what's important for us to sort of own our future and so when i think about sort of very one narrow element or one thing that's sort of happening in the world and how it may affect our profession. And I think about technology. Uh, you know, it's really beginning to change the way that many industries operate and deliver services. We've seen that happen um, in the courthouses with online court filing. We've seen the proposal for online mediation at the Landlord and Tenant Board, just to name a few. So, uh, you know, there's also many websites out there that talk about legal information. So. These services are valuable. Uh, they're, a, they're one part of the access to justice puzzle. Uh, but to me, in those cases, what's missing is sort of legal advice and quite frankly, the plethora of services that paralegals can provide. So today, just sort of on an off topic, I was looking at one of the small claims court guides and I wondered if there was any mention of that in hiring a lawyer or paralegal. 
what it contained was just a small little warning in small print that said, if you have any legal questions, you should see a lawyer or licensed paralegal. I mean, the gripe's great. It has lots of information for self-reps, and it's really comprehensive. And so as I talk about sort of my vision, I sort of trying to piece it together how this would sort of what this looks like. Um, and if, if I was to sort of comment on what should be in there in the guidebook, I would say, add the question, should I hire a paralegal or a lawyer? And have a well thought out answer to give people that option to understand what it may mean or may, you know, and they may still choose to, to represent on their own. And I think that's what the courts are also set up for as well. Um, so. When I talk about the profession and I look towards the future, temp the next 10 years, I think collectively paralegals must continue to advocate for the promotion of the profession. And so going back to the small claims court guides, uh, what will I do about that? And I sort of think in this sort of this 10 year mark and thinking forward and how we can all sort of continue to work together because I think that's how we've got to where we are at this point. It didn't just happen and wasn't laid out for us. So going back to the small claims court guide, I think, you know, I'll try to get that added potentially. So I want you all to leave here mm -hmm. thinking, how can you continue to promote and elevate the profession? For example, if you'd like to write, maybe start a blog, write about a case. If you're visiting a website that encourages people to call a lawyer, even though a paralegal can do the job, call them out, write them a lovely letter that asks them to maybe include that. Because I think these are the things as the future and as technology becomes sort of taking over in, in some professions. And I think we just need to keep that, our profession in the forefront and in, in the foreground. So I think our future is bright. I'm excited to see what the next 10 years will bring. I think it's gonna bring great things for our profession. I think, think of it, on our 20th anniversary, we could have close to 18 to 20,000 paralegals licensed in this province or potentially across Canada. I think our scope of practice will expand. Um, to what? I'm not exactly sure. I mean, we have lots of talks around here, you know, blue sky meetings of what we'd like to see happen. Um, and I think that kind of stuff will play out over the next 10 years or at least come to more to the forefront so that it's top of mind rather than just a pipe dream, like it feels sometimes today. Um, I want in the next 10 years someone to say, why don't you hire a paralegal and not the answer be, oh, what's a paralegal? It's like, oh yeah, well, you know, that's a great idea. I know one. Maybe I'll give them a call. Um, I want the public of Ontario and obviously across Canada to know what we can do for them. I want them to, um, you know, just I think it's so important to promote this profession. And I think the next 10 years, that's going to be a big focus, I know, at the Law Society, because it's not just going to promote what paralegals can do, but what lawyers can do as well. So I think there's, you know, some campaign the stuff that's going on here. But I also think hopefully the OPA will look more into that too and how to market this profession. Um, you just don't see paralegal advertising in the mainstream. Um, and I think that's all going to change over the next 10 years. Um, so I see a lot of great things happening. I'm very excited. I think that, you know, again, 10 years from now, we're going to look back and say, wow, how far have we come? And I'm glad to say that I was part of that journey and I'm excited to see what happens. Our guests emphasize that over the past decade, regulation has had a positive effect on the paralegal profession by providing stability, competence, and public protection. Paralegals are playing a key role in addressing the everyday legal needs of people in Ontario. 
With a steadily rising number of licensees, the future for paralegals as access to justice champions is bright. We leave you now with words from Sahel, Disha, and Barbara, three newly licensed paralegals who were celebrating the start of their careers at a reception hosted by the Law Society. Canada is open to immigration, right? Many people, newcomers, come here every day. And they always end up with some of, like, small claims matters, like, you know, small contractual issue or having an issue with their landlord or something. So that's why I thought this to be helpful. I also am an immigrant, so I thought, like, yeah, that would be, that's a major issue for immigrants. When I read that, you know, like, you could be providing legal services to people which would be more accessible, um, making you, you know, like going out and helping people who can't actually afford the services of a lawyer. That actually made me think that, you know, like, you could probably start off there. How do they advance access to justice? By just be, having integrity and being true to who they are and just having a genuine care for people. Architects of Justice is created and produced by Jane Kim and me, Sabrina Dellen. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find podcasts. And please leave us a review. This podcast is supported by the Law Society of Ontario and the Law Foundation of Ontario. Architects of Justice is an initiative of TAG, the Action Group on Access to Justice. For resources and more information, visit theactiongroup.ca. Thanks to Stephanie Ball, Robert Bird, Michelle Haig, Brian Houghton, Lori Marshall, Stephen Parker, and Paul Shabis. <laughs>